The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. It's BGN Radio episode number 97.5, not to be confused with radio station. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me as always is Brandon Lee Galton from bleedinggreennation.com. And we have a special guest here today, my daughter, Krista Kemsky. Hi, Krista. Hi. And hi, Brandon. How are you? Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Krista. Good to be here with you after a big Eagles game, a big Eagles win, and uh, obviously we're splitting the podcast in half this week because the holidays will be back later in the week with the preview show for the Week 17 Giants game. But for now, a lot to talk about after the Cowboys yeah, game. Yeah, so the Eagles won on Sunday over the Cowboys, in case you missed that. And as a result, they are in uh, sole possession of first place in the NFC East. And let's just go through the tiebreakers very quickly, the Eagles tiebreakers, that is, in terms of, or the, the Eagles scenarios to make the playoffs, that is, uh, which are very simple. They win Week 17 against the Giants. They are in. They, they have won the NFC East. The other way that they can get in is if they lose to the Giants and the Cowboys also lose to Washington, which is, in my opinion, a uh, very, very unlikely scenario, though I wouldn't totally put it out of... <laughs> I wouldn't put that at 0%, obviously. Uh, Brandon, you are aware of the tie scenarios. I did not bother with that. So let's hear what you got there. It's simple. Uh, so if the Eagles tie the Giants, they will also clinch. Alternatively, the second scenario you mentioned there, the Eagles can lose. Um, but if the Cowboys tie Washington, that would also be just as good as a loss for Dallas. And the Eagles would also be able to clinch that way. So probably not going to happen. But I uh, just figured I'd note it. So really, the only way, as you said, the Eagles can miss the playoffs at this point. It's the only scenario would be they lose to the Giants and then the Cowboys beat Washington. That's the only way they can miss out. Okay. All right, so let's get to Krista, and we'll let her get on her way back to her iPad and her LOL dolls and everything, you know the things that she likes to play with. Um, Krista, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is something of a savant in terms of making football predictions. She predicted the NFC East winner for like four straight years in addition to a few different uh, Super Bowls as well. She, like, she was undefeated for a while. And then finally, her string was broken, and we haven't really gone back. I haven't really gone back to her much. Which, I don't know if that makes me a bad father or not, but uh, she was on a hot streak for a while. And here's a little sampling of her when she was, I don't know, probably like three years old. Who's this? Cowboy. 
Cowboys? And do you like the Cowboys? No. No. <laughs> okay, so that was a Cowboys helmet that I showed her back in the day. There was one year she made a very controversial pick. It was mm. uh, 2015. She chose Washington. Okay? Which, like, they weren't going to win. Okay, so... Like, they, 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 nobody was picking Washington to win the division. And she made the bold pick pick uh, Washington, and she got that right. So let's let's recap that. Who's this? The red Right. Now I'm showing her all the football helmets here. Minnie. And they're all on top of her toy characters. The Giants. Who's wearing the Giants helmet? The Butterfly. The Butterfly. And then who's... Who's that? The Eagles. The Eagles. And who's wearing the Eagles helmet? Cinderella. Cinderella. Okay, and then who's the last one? Snow White. Snow White. Who's wearing? And what what helmet is she wearing? Uh, the Cowboys. The Cowboys. Now, which of those teams is going to win the NFC East? Okay, now let the record show. She's pointing to the Washington helmet here. Is that your hmm. pick? Yeah. You, so who's that? Minnie. <laughs> <laughs> what team? The Redskins. All right. All right. So. As I have now thoroughly pointed out, she is a prognosticating expert. Now, so, as we've determined already, if the Eagles beat the Giants week 17, they win the NFC East. If they lose, then they need very unlikely help from the Cowboys also losing to win the division. So, being the expert that you are, who do you think is going to win week 17? The Eagles or... The Giants. The Eagles. Okay. Now, Boom. once they get into the playoffs, they're going to face one of three teams. Actually, one of four teams. They could be the Packers, possibly, but there's ties involved and all that, and we're not going to get into all that. But the three main teams that they're going to face are either the Vikings, the Seahawks, or the 49ers. Who do you think is going to be the five seed of those teams and would therefore play the, the four seed Eagles? The Vikings. Okay. Why is that? Mm. Because I like purple. Oh, okay. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the, I like purple, too. And then when the Eagles play the Vikings, who's going to win? The Eagles. Oh, okay. Wow. So the Eagles, oh, are go, they're going to the divisional round. And then they get they, they may get Deshaun Jackson back at that point. Mm. You like Deshaun Jackson? I know this is a yeah. tough question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. He made my career. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, before we let you go, is like, like if there was one thing that you had to pick for to get for Christmas, what would it be? Barbie airplane. Barbie airplane. Yeah. So it's not the ski mm. chalet anymore. No. No. You still want? That the was ski a pretty chalet? quick answer. Yes. You still want? Well, I can just tell Santa not to bring the ski chalet. No. You still want the ski chalet? Yes. But the but above all, you want the Barbie airplane. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, it was great to have you on as a guest. Say, it was great to be here. It was great to be here. <laughs> okay. Thanks for being here, uh, Krista. I will let you go. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. The Come Eagles on. are headed for sure to the divisional round as I change my headphones here. I think it was very fruitful, Jimmy. The one thing I will say <laughs> yes. about Krista's pick for the Eagles' first round, by the time this podcast comes out, we probably will know if the Vikings are still in it or not. Because oh, that's true. If the, if the Packers do win on Monday Night Football, we're, by the way, we're recording on Monday afternoon before Monday Night Football. 
uh, if the Packers win a Monday Night Football, then they can only play the Seahawks for the. No, that's not 49ers. true. The, the Vikings, the Vikings have to win both of their next two games. Are you sure? Yeah. So it's a, the, char- it, the one chart I saw from that Denise guy, I thought you had. No, so they got to win both of their games because they I'm have to. Convinced. They have to overtake the Seahawks and or 49ers. They have to overtake them, so they're behind, they're behind them right now. So they'd be the sixth. Oh well, yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I'm win, saying they if, have to win both of their games. Oh, you're saying if they you know, lose, yeah. then they won't. Then they won't play the Eagles. Correct. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, they got to win both their games, and they also have to have the Packers win uh, their Week 17 game uh, against the Lions, which is of in course, Detroit. Yeah, is that in yep. Detroit? Yes. Okay, it's well, still very likely anyway. Obviously, so the Vikings are. Yeah. Uh, there's a good chance. There's a good chance they're up to play the Vikings. How would you rank them, by the way, in terms of like if you're the Eagles, who would you who would you want to face? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I saw your order, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say actually it would be the 49ers okay. first. Just because, Just because yeah, I think the inexperience there, uh, you pointed out well that the defense hasn't been great there. Could be tough. Kyle Shanahan against <laughs> Jim Schwartz's defense yeah. could be tough. Uh, but then there's like the, the travel factor and everything. I think I agree with you and the Vikings are just the worst matchup possible. I mean, Cousins always kills the Eagles. Like for as much as he doesn't show up in big games, like I, I'm sure he'd find a way to show up in a big game against the Eagles and kill them. And then the Seahawks, like I get that they're kind of reeling and they've won a, a lot of one score games and that's probably not sustainable. And they're probably regressing a bit and they just lost the Cardinals at home. But you know they've never been able to beat Russ. Russ has always been not a, huge a great matchup. Danger Russ fan. Big Russ fan, and I mean the Eagles' offense played terrible. It was their worst offensive performance of the year, probably. Right? I mean they didn't score a touchdown until the end of the game in garbage time. I would agree with that, but I would also say that uh, if you like are a glass half full kind of person, you would probably think that they won't repeat that. I mean they were really at their low point offensively at that point in the season, and I think we can True. kind of agree that they've been a lot better, even just optically, like not. Not, you know, like every game is going to be the yeah, same. Just, I think they're going to be a lot better if they have to play them in the first round. If they, you know, of course, this is all before like anyone has like angry uh, responses here. Of course, this is all dependent on them beating the Giants in Week 17 and actually getting into the playoffs. Yes, we acknowledge right. that that has to happen first. Uh, but yeah, so um, so you have the Niners, then Seahawks. Yeah. Okay, so we're in agreement that. The worst scenario is to get for them to get the Vikings. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the way that I see it, there is their offense matches up way better against the Eagles' defense and what they, you know, don't do well than uh, the Seahawks and Niners. Seahawks and Niners are both, you know, very run-heavy offenses, and I think that plays right into the Eagles' hands. Whereas the Vikings have those talented receivers, and I mean, obviously, we saw what they did to them week six. Was it? Earlier yeah. in the year, uh, but you know they, they obviously got got a ton of big plays uh, against the Eagles defense, so I think they just match up a lot better. And I think they're probably the, I think they're they're playing the best right now of those three teams. Yes, I would agree with that. And although I'll say I feel pretty good about no matter who the Eagles play in the first round, like ind- like independent of who they play, I feel pretty good. <laughs> Oddly enough, sudden. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're they're like getting into the game here on Sunday. The Eagles beating the Cowboys. I mean, the Eagles home road defensive splits, which we talked yeah, about in the podcast yeah. last week. Like that's a real thing. Yeah, like, I agree. They're, it, they're, the defense plays better at home. It's not perfect. There are opportunities against the Cowboys where the Cowboys didn't really capitalize on some of those deep throws yep. um, where Rizal got toasted. But still, like they didn't allow the number two offense in DVOA. And ba- Dak was banged up, whatever. Still, number two offense DVA, and they didn't score a touchdown. Like, that's that's pretty good. 
the way the offense is coming around on that side of the ball, you, you know, you had talked about it, Jimmy. Is the is it sustainable being able to do right. these long drives? I, and I still don't think it is I in don't the either, long term. But like but you're not getting, you're not get, winning this Super but they're Bowl. They're getting better at them. <laughs> they're getting better at it. it's it's not uh, worthless. I guess you could say right. Like, it can it can be both not worthless and not sustainable. I feel like you yeah. know it can be a, a tool in the toolbox, sure. if you will. Well, it's their only tool. <laughs> it's it's their only tool, unfortunately. By the way, what we're talking about these, I don't think we explained it really. We're talking about these low slow, like these slow plotting drives that you know eat up five minutes a clock and are you know ten plays or longer. By the way, they have twenty three drives this season of uh, ten or more plays. Sorry. 23 <laughs> scoring drives, that is, of uh, 10 or more plays. Uh, and uh, I think it was eight of them. Yeah. 10 of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> ten, 10 of them are within the last four games. So they've had 10 scoring drives of 10 or more plays in the last four games, which is pretty impressive, frankly. There aren't a lot of quarterbacks who can do that. And Carson Wentz has been mm. able to do that this year, especially with the guys that he's playing with. I mean, it's just crazy. Did you see the stat about the 30 completions plus and zero interceptions? He's, the, he's literally the first quarterback in NFL history to ever have 30 completions in three straight games and no interceptions. I did not see that, no. I think that speaks to the way they're playing and how difficult that is, <laughs> clearly. Was, was that a, uh, a John Ganode tweet? Yes. Okay. Well, Rube, Rube, I didn't see him tweet it. I saw Rube tweet it, but he credited John G. So. Well, Ganode had another one, too. Over the last three, this is, fourth, this is Carson Wentz in the fourth quarter. And, you know, obviously he had a big fourth quarter comeback against the Giants. He had the fourth quarter late drive against Washington uh, after he was bailed out after the fumble. <laughs> but his, his quiz uh, tweet was, over the last three games, this is one of the Eagles PR guys, by the way, John Ganode. Over the last three games in the fourth quarter slash overtime, Carson Wentz has completed 34 of 42 passes for 81%. For 352 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 133.3 passing rate uh, rating, um, in addition to two comeback drives in weeks 14 and 15. Pretty impressive. Not clutch. Not, not clutch, a clutch at player. All. <laughs> all right. I, I would like to say though, like in addition to that and the, the discussion of clutch, I mean, he won his biggest game, Jimmy. He won the biggest game of his career. Yes, he did. And this whole stretch of games down the stretch here now obviously he has to finish the job and actually clinch and get it done this has been really encouraging and i think that's uh it's it's something that regardless of you how you kind of feel about this season and what they can do the rest of the season i think it makes you feel like pretty great about their outcome in the long term like there's there's no question carson wentz is a franchise quarterback the eagles did not like make a mistake by paying him or anything like they shouldn't have kept nick Foles. like that book is closed to yeah, me yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah, clear they sure. I, I mean, it, it always was to me, but I'm like, even the doubters at this point, I feel like can't say that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, so let's move past Wentz and let's talk about other individual players aside from Wentz who had good games. There's Miles Sanders, obviously, who is... Miles Sanders, pretty good. Pretty good player. He's gotten so much better, right? Like, there's, he was not the same player that we saw like, no, early like Early in the year, he was... Okay, so I think right off the bat, I think he showed some really uh, positive things. Like, and I sound like a broken record here because I write about this all the time, but the, the three main things that were concerns in of, of his coming out of college were pass protection... Is he going to be able to be a receiver out of the backfield and the fumbling? So he had a couple fumbles early in the year, but against the Lions. And yeah, then, it was two on one drive. And he hasn't fumbled since. Pass protection has mm-hmm. been better than expected. I think there's some work there to do still. I don't think he's you know, great there yet, but he's, he's been better than I expected him to be. And then as a receiver, there's just been no doubt that he's good there. I mean, they're lining him up in the slot and outside and stuff like that. He's really come along. As, like way better than I than I ever would have expected him as a receiver. He's got over five. Like uh, somebody else put out, like um, uh, who was it? I guess it was NFL Research put out a stat that there was a, like since the year two thousand, he's one of five running backs in his rookie season to have both five hundred uh, rushing yards, and he's actually got over seven fifty. Someone kind of narrowed it down a little further from there, and five hundred receiving yards. And the guys that are included in that are guys like, you know, like Alvin Kamara, uh, Reggie Bush, you know, those kinds of guys. And he's really developing into that kind of running back. But I think actually he doesn't get enough credit because everyone everyone acknowledges that he's that he's fast and he's explosive. But I think he's a I think he's a tough runner. I think he doesn't get enough credit for, you know, running with power that, that the way that he does. Did you see the run where he ran over someone yesterday? He ran over the yeah, it's a small corner, it was Jordan Lewis. Who's Still. like a small slot corner, but he was Shady physical. Didn't do that. Like he he threw his ass to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like Sh- a, Did Shady ever do that? I don't remember Shady like running over. Yeah, that someone. wasn't his style. But yeah, I'm very encouraged very, by Miles Sanders for sure, and he, I think he's going to be really good. And they drafted him in an appropriate spot. Like you know, I think we've given some rightful criticism to Howie Roseman um, mm-hmm. since we started the pod. But he, yep. they, they, and again, like with with Miles Sanders, I mean, they made it, they made it a very clear point that from top to bottom in the organization, from the head coach to the assistant coaches to the front office to the analytics nerds, like yep. they all loved Miles Sanders coming out, and they drafted him in a very appropriate spot, especially for being a pass catcher. Yeah, you know, if he if he was a dynamic runner and didn't offer anything in the passing game, yeah, that's a different conversation, not as good. But yeah. yeah, the fact that he can contribute so much, and he's only forty yards behind Josh Jacobs right now in terms of total yards from oh, scrimmage. Is that right? Yeah, I know Jacobs is way ahead of him as a as a rusher. Like he's up over eleven hundred yards, I think, rushing. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's done nothing in the uh, receiving game. So yeah, and then if he doesn't play because he's still hurt and he might not play week mm. seventeen, you know, there's a decent chance. They're going to you know, rely on Miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a decent chance Sanders finishes as the rookie leader in, in yards from scrimmage. Yeah, so interesting, and he'll get like no consideration for rookie of the year too. Like it's going to go to Jacobs, and Kyle yeah. Murray will get some votes too. Mm-hmm. Sanders is going to get overlooked. 
but he's been very good. And like the other thing early in the season that I think he struggled with was he was trying to bounce everything outside. He's dancing around in the backfield, and that's all gone. He's he's yep. really adjusted to the to the pro style of running pretty quickly. And I think he the, the one really uh, um, we should acknowledge too, like early in the year when he was dancing behind behind the you know in the backfield and he was trying to bounce everything outside. He was asked about that, and he agreed. He was like, "Yeah, I gotta." He's like, "I gotta get better." Whereas it was a lot of guys will come into the league and they think they're better than they are. Or they think they have it figured out. And with him, he acknowledged that he has a long way to go. And I think he really worked toward getting better at it. And certainly he has. I agree with that. He seems to have a good head on his shoulders, from what I can tell. Seems pretty humble. Um, Yeah. So the other thing that happened um, against the Cowboys were the receivers all got involved. Ward had, what, Mm. four for 74. Uh, JJ got involved early. Even uh, Robert Davis caught a pass. They all had a pass reception within the first eight minutes of the game. They didn't go back to Davis at all the rest of the game, but I forget how many catches J.J. had, but he had the really impressive one over the middle. Two for 39. Okay, yeah. So they, they were both early then, and then he got hurt and uh, was gone for a little bit uh, to be determined how severe that is. It doesn't look too bad, Doug said in his press conference on Monday, that uh, he should be good to go. But, yeah, some encouraging signs from him. And then Greg Ward, would you say that he's been – Carson Wentz's most reliable wide receiver this year? Yeah, I would. Which is an <laughs> insane thing to say. Crazy? Uh, so Greg Ward is now up to 23 receptions for 211 yards and one touchdown in his last five games. Now, I bring that up because Nelson Aguilar, in his last eight games, so three more games, he has two fewer receptions and he has 16 fewer yards oh, and man. one fewer touchdown. So Greg Ward here here is just like out, legitimately outproducing Nelson Aguilar. And also... Just very much passes the eye test in terms of being like a competent NFL receiver. Like he just he looks trustworthy out there. Like he's not gonna like mess something up or like you know run the wrong route or or you know like be a disaster. Like he's just gonna be in the right place. He's nothing like overly flashy, but he's fine. And that's what this team really just needed when they didn't have anything at receiver. And again, the fact that like Carson is doing all this, we talked about it earlier, uh, being. Uh, clutch in terms of the scope of the run they're in like the, the fact he's doing it these players is just insane can i uh can i make a can i have a take here yeah greg ward is antonio brown but without the headaches oh my god i'm kidding, I'm kidding of course i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I think someone might actually <laughs> i think that take might exist out there i'm kidding on unironically um they wear the same number that's true they do maybe that maybe that's why it's been in people's heads yeah. So the other guy uh, that stepped up uh, on Sunday was Dallas Goddard. Did you know this was a career game for him? Uh, in terms of yardage? Yeah. Is it? Okay. I know. It was. It's, yeah, a, see? It's, it's, a, it's the most amount of snaps he's ever played in a game. Or, I'm sorry, not the most amount of snaps. The highest percentage. It's the high, it's, He had the right. highest percentage of, of snaps in a game. He, had 90, he played 90% of the snaps. That's the highest mm-hmm. he's ever played in a game. And that's because Ertz, you know, went out. He would part. have had a better game if not for that absurd offensive pass interference call last year again against the Cowboys that time in Dallas um yeah. he would have he would have beat he would have been over 100 yards in that game but in this one he had mm-hmm. 9 for 91 made a really nice catch in the back of the end zone on a great throw by the way by Carson Wentz uh also ran a really good route on that fade pattern yes down the right sideline that was a great route got like had a, had a tiny little push off off on uh Jeff Heath like the the kind mm-hmm. that like you know, you get away with in the NFL. 
really well, well done. He's, he, he didn't even call for the flag, too. Like, he, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. one of those where it's egregious and the defender, like, he, yep. he knew he got beat yep. fair and square. Yep. And he actually had a pretty good hit on him after that. But <laughs> anyway, uh, big game from, uh, from old Dallas Goddard. Uh, Need more of that, I would say. Kind of, ne- kind of necessary with Zach Ertz having gone out and actually gone to the locker room for a little bit. Uh, it, I, was it Rappaport said that, uh, yeah. that he's got a broken rib? Yep. Those are, horrible to deal with as far as i understand even if it's just one i mean you have trouble breathing tough Mm -hmm. it's it's trouble really moving at all when you have a broken rib so i would i would still sort of expect him to play um in week 17 with the broken Mm -hmm. rib i mean he came back he's a a tough guy i mean we goof on him for like not getting yards after the catch and there's definitely warranted criticism for you know him jumping out of the way of uh Bontes against the Bengals in 2016 but, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this isn't the first time he's played through injuries. And, uh, yeah, he definitely deserves credit for that. So they're getting good production now out of both of their tight ends, which is, you know, A, good to see, and B, necessary because of what they have, you know, in the rest of their offense. We're going to need to see more Goddard. Like, this is that's the Dallas Goddard the Eagles drafted and, like, just haven't seen enough of this year. I don't know. I mean, there was that one drive there, Jimmy, where, like, once targeted him what like six or five times just like play after play after he was just going back to him yeah. again and again yeah. and why not it was working right uh and was it jp's penalty and the block on the back that got called that was the goddard Did- yeah that was a, that was a screen to goddard that was a terrible so that was a terrible call by the way jp was getting I'd killed see. on twitter for that but in my opinion that was a horrendous call what happened was i think it was actually jeff heath again was you know pursuing that play and he just turned his back and it looked like JP um, basically just ran into him. Like he didn't like once once he turned his back, JP was trying not to block him, but he put his hands on him because he kind of tripped over him a little bit, and he put his hands on him to just break his fall. But he wasn't trying to block this guy, <laughs> and uh, they threw the flag on that. And that really I hate when that happens in the NBA where like a player just stops. Yeah. And then the, the guy who runs into him gets called for a foul. That's not a foul. Like the guy who's running has a right to run. Like you can't just yes. stop in front of him anyway. Yeah, that, that wiped out a pretty big play. Like that went for over twenty yards, if I recall right. Yeah, that took points off the board. Well, so Goddard would have went over a hundred, and yeah, that took points off the board. Oh right, because they you know, punted on that drive instead of uh, that, that. That well, I mean, I think well, Elliot. I thought well, well, didn't well, Elliot miss the field goal there? Oh, did he? Okay, is that what happened at the end of that drive? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they would have been deeper into into. Uh, Cowboys territory yeah. had that play stood. They might have scored a touchdown on that drive. Yeah, that's one thing I, I want to bring up. Like, 17 points for the offense did not, like, really indicate how Correct. well I thought the offense played overall. Like, And obviously, if Sanders, you know, doesn't slide at the end and pull Brian Westbrook, like, they could have had more. Uh, Elliott misses the field goals. Like, they, they could have had more points. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree. It, it was not indicative of the way the offense played. Defense, um, Kudos to Jim Schwartz, first of all, for just keeping this game plan simple, which I thought was the right way to go. You know, I think you want Why not to, always keep it simple? I, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think you wanted to see come out and see what Dak Prescott had, and I think they determined... So, like, Prescott was throwing with decent enough velocity, I thought, but when he was trying to push down the ball down the field, both into the intermediate and deep areas of the field, I think that his injury did affect him in terms of his accuracy, because he did miss several throws down the field, uh, you know, most notably 
my dog's coughing in the background. Uh, <laughs> most notably, the one where, was it Gallup? No, Gallup or Tavon Austin? Tavon Austin, did, right? Where he did just he got overthrew? wide open, yeah. And he missed that. Yeah, throw. well, both of them down the end of the game, he had really had opportunities, but yeah. But there was one where, I mean, he had like... Gallup dropped it. He had like then, two or three yeah. steps on... I think it was Austin had like two or three steps on Rizul Douglas. Yeah. And he just missed them. Yeah. Just flat out missed them. He missed a lot of throws, yeah. But kudos to the Eagles and uh, their run defense for finally shutting down Zeke Elliott. Did, by the way, did, did Zeke do the eating thing once in this game? I don't think so. I think Brandon Graham talked about that. Oh, did he? I, think, I don't know. I think he briefly mentioned, like, or someone did. They were like, you know, they wanted to make sure he couldn't do that. And they were like, wait, <laughs> did he do that what? Like one time? If that, I don't think he did it at all. I can't remember him doing it at all. Well, you know what? They missed up. Maybe they did do this. I don't know. But I, I feel like this was an opportunity for them to to do that eating thing. Oh, God. Yeah, on the last play. Oh, yeah. If Miles Sanders had scored and did the eating thing, you would have been like, well, he could have even done it after the kneel. Legendary, like that. yeah, that right. Legendary status in, in Philadelphia forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Concerns that developed as as a result yeah. of this game. First of all, let's, let's let's talk about the injuries, and then we'll talk about the replacements for for those players upcoming if, mm-hmm. you know, for the ones that that, that are going to be out. Um, Doug was uh, revealing in his Monday afternoon press conference day after that uh, Ronald Darby's going to be out for a while. And I don't think Darby's played really well anyway, so I don't mm-hmm. see, I don't view that as a huge loss. But he said that the starter coming in for him would be Rizul Douglas, and I don't think Douglas has been really good either. So yeah, I think that's a concern going forward. I think that, uh, I mean, the two field goals that Jake Elliott missed in this game were of the longer variety, and he's what, he missed two other ones recently. He is six for ten since signing the contract. They were also longer kicks, though, right? The two other ones that he missed, aside from this even Sunday? even so, like you know, this guy they they're paying him like a top three kicker. Yeah, like you, you got to, and, and we know Jake <laughs> has that range too. Like we've seen yeah. him, like you, you got to be better than six for ten. Like that's just that's not good enough. Well, when he signed that contract, he was he was like the fourth, or fifth, or sixth, somewhere around there, most accurate kicker ever. In NFL history, yeah. I mean that's because he was, you know, he had a, he was having a great season this year, which you almost maybe expect a little bit to for kickers to hit more accurately early in the year when the weather's good, and mm-hmm. you kind of expect them to fall off a little bit maybe later in the year. But, but it, uh, it was mild yesterday too, and and it wasn't oh, even it was like really windy. Nice. Yeah, so. yeah, that that certainly wasn't yeah. the case yesterday for sure. Like it, I mean, that game time it was it was what close to like fifty degrees. Yeah, and it was sunny. Obviously, the sun went down during the game, but it was a beautiful day for football. There was no wind. There was a bit, or if there was wind. There's, you know, it wasn't a factor in any way. Is he a concern going forward? I'd say six to ten, unless ten is not a non-issue. I think it's it's a little bit of a concern. I'm not saying you need to bring in new kickers to work out or whatever, but like, step it up, Jake. Like, you got to be better than that. I'd say I would say it's a eyebrow raised. On a scale of one to ten, I would say it's like a four. Okay, I'll go three. I'm not. I'm not really worried about him in terms of his ability to hit kicks that really matter. Mm-hmm. And now, not that those kicks yesterday didn't matter. I mean, certainly they they help. But I mean, when he has like had big time, like you better make this type of kicks. He's I a, agree. He has always come through. Super Bowl. I mean, forget the 61 yarder against the Giants. That Super Bowl kick. It's almost like 
it's almost like overlooked a little bit. <laughs> like it was a forty-six yarder. Yeah, right. Scott Norwood missed a kick, and he's you know hated for the rest of his life in in the city. He made that kick. They might they might, win, they might not win that game if he doesn't make if he doesn't make that kick. They had clutch like earlier in that season, uh, at the end of the year, in a game they still needed. Oakland, the weather in, for that game was horrible. Like it was windy and it was really really cold. And he he drilled a I don't I don't remember how far that one was, but it was a legitimately hard kick. So like I remember asking him about like all those kicks that he made that year, and uh, you know ranking the difficulty of them, and he said that was the hardest kick. That mm. that kick against Oakland that was a game winner. And then 2018, did he have a game winner against Houston? Yeah, he did have a big one at the end. So he's been I mean he's been really good. I think I wasn't I didn't have a problem with his contract extension. He was going to be a restricted free agent, so I don't know. So they didn't have to rush, but you, yeah, you do see you do see all these teams around the league that really have had kickers kind of screw up their season. I mean, the Bears spent their entire offseason worrying about their kicker instead of getting, instead of getting their quarterback up to speed. You have the yeah, Jets it's worked who, out well the, too. The Jets like had all kinds of kicker problems. The Titans actually, I don't know if this has changed since this past week, but. I think there is a chance that they're going to have more misses than makes this year. Imagine that in 2019. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? The Chargers. I think Cody Parkey was on their roster at one point this year. Yeah, it was. The Chargers last year had all kinds of like they they lost a lot of a lot of games because they couldn't make kicks. So like I don't I'm saying like I'm not saying you you want to spend a ton of money on your kicker, but you know if you have one. Eh, I'm okay with them locking him up for a long time. But, yeah, certainly you miss four of your last ten kicks, then it does raise an eyebrow. So what about the cornerback thing? So I, I, I tweeted out the what Doug said about um, Darby going to be hurt uh, for a bit, and a bunch of people were seemingly glad. Good, <laughs> yeah, screw him. <laughs> not, not to call people out <laughs> celebrating the injury, but a lot of people wanted to see another player in there. Yeah, and every, a lot I don't of people, know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people I, I saw, I said, and and then um, they want to see Sidney Jones, Jimmy. They yeah. want to see Sidney, which is I, <laughs> a huge reaction, I, overreaction, I feel like, to two great plays. Oh, I'm not yeah, trying to sure. Give this to 100%. I'm not taking anything away, but like it's just funny because earlier this season, and people wanted him basically like cut and were totally fine when he was a healthy scratch because he was struggling. And all of a sudden, he goes from that and like the seventh corner, literally on this roster, to all right, put him back in there. <laughs> yeah, that's just funny to me. I mean, his technique on the uh, was it Gallup that they threw too deep on that fourth down play? The final play. His technique was excellent on that. I mean, he ran with them, and he did a little like look and lean, where he looked back for the yeah, ball and great. into the receiver at the same time. Darby's not uh, doing Gallup that. Gallup actually probably <laughs> Gallup probably had offensive pass interference on that. By the way, yeah. how ridiculous was it that they, that they decided that that needed to go to a booth review? How many teams Thank does that you. happen for? Two? Thank you, Sean NFL? Payton. God. Like, who gets that review? The Patriots and the Cowboys, and that's it? Yeah, that was terrible. Like, would they, re- would they just, review that for any for any other team? I don't know. <laughs> like, for that thing to so go dumb. to the booth, like, wouldn't, wouldn't New York just be like, no, that was fine. You carry on. The Cowboys players didn't even like, you know, react to it. You know, it wasn't like, no, you know, like throwing their arms up like that should have been passing. Like no, they were, they knew right. it was incomplete. It was clearly a, a good, like a clean play. Anyway, dumb. Um, 
Yeah, but Sydney, uh, I mean, he's uh, so like I, I, a lot of people like this analogy. I like I, I said, Sydney Jones, you don't really want him, uh, you know, starting for you, but <laughs> he makes plays in the clutch, which kind of makes him the <laughs> the Nick Foles of cornerbacks. Hmm. <laughs> How dare you suggest that Nick Foles is not <laughs> great? So, what about the Cowboys' concerns? Uh, Jimmy, I see you have that listed here. Yeah, so inside baseball on the rundown sheet. Yes. So the Cowboys, um, I mean, the fallout from this game from them, again, this is assuming that the Eagles are still able to hammer down the division here. Jason Garrett's mm-hmm. going to be gone. I don't think they're going to fire him this week. And they may as well, I mean, they may very well fire him before this podcast gets, gets posted. <laughs> so I don't sound, think they will. <laughs> this is going to sound dumb if I, if I say that, but I don't think he's going to get fired. Um, I think Jerry has like respect for him too much to do that. They'll wait. Well, I I also think, but he also said at one point during the year, Jerry Jones, like, I can't, we can't fire him. Like, it doesn't, it won't do any good. If we fire him, it's going to be, we have an interim head coach. Like, it doesn't put us in a better position to win games. He said that, which was, it's, it's crazy how often he talks. I was talking to John Machota, um, who writes for the Athletic, uh, covers the Cowboys. I think he was at the, Dallas morning news before but we were joking about like I mean just all the differences between the two teams like we get to talk to Howie Roseman five or six times a year and Jerry Jones has two different radio shows that he does every week he talks (laughs) uh, to the media immediately after games and at other times like throughout the week as well like he talks probably around like 70 to 100 times per year yeah which is crazy. And that was actually sort of one of the things that uh, that you brought up as a hateable thing about that team is that Jerry Jones yes. wants to make it about him. Like, yeah, no, nobody cares about like an old man owner of a team. Yeah. They care about the players and the product on the field. But he's uh, sort of branded himself as uh, as whatever, whatever he is, whatever you want to call him, what he is. He does kind of have like his own distinguished brand. But uh, they, they got a well, lot. Well, he is accessible, you could say, and yes. I think there's something to that. Like I think oh, Lurie should talk to cover, more. Like, it'd, be, it'd be great to cover an owner that, that talked all the time. Like that. Well, I agree. That'd be fun, but like it's but not. I, it's not I'm good for the even, team. I don't think it's good for the team if it's too much. I think I think there's a balance to be struck. I think you can talk more than once a year. Like I think Lurie might under talk a little bit. Yes, sometimes. for sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't talk enough. I, I agree. Yeah. But. Uh, I mean, when you're talking 70 to 100 times a, a year, it's crazy. Um, but they have, a, they have a lot of fallout from this year, assuming they don't win the division. Garrett's going to be fired, no doubt. They'll, they'll have their new head coach search. And then they have, you know, a couple contract negotiations. One and Dak that I'm surprised it didn't get done before the season, before this season began. And then um, you have Amari Cooper. So mm-hmm. you can't franchise them both. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to jinx it. It's not over till it's over, as someone once said. But like thinking about it conceptually, the Cowboys are about to make like Dak the highest paid mm-hmm. quarterback potentially in the NFL a year or in the season after not even winning the division and not even having a winning season. Like, isn't there <laughs> right. isn't there something to that? And then, and not even just him, but the rest of whoever they pay too. Yeah, it's like. They're investing all this money into a core that couldn't even win a bad NFC East. Right. Like, and, isn't, and, is, and you got to pay Amari Cooper too if you're them. You have to because you look. Oh yeah. At, you look at what it's they were in twenty eight. Sorry, in twenty eighteen, like before Amari Cooper and after Amari Cooper is a totally different team. And then even this year, 
I think they were a different team when Amari Cooper was healthy, clearly, and dominating. And when he, at some point, it's unclear exactly when he got nicked up. And he kind of came into the year hurt, too. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was on the injury report every week this year, with the exception of actually a, a pretty recent week. But uh, clearly he's been kind of, and like an assortment of injuries, like foot, ankle, knee, and quad, I believe. Four different injuries all to his leg or legs. Uh, I don't know which, you know, which leg the quad was and which was the ankle and whatever. But he had a lot of, you know, injuries on his legs. And, um, yeah, I think you could see a pretty distinguishable, distinguishable difference between what he looked like early in the season and how what he looked like this past Sunday. He hasn't even gone over 100 yards since week nine. Mm, okay. So you got to pay him. I mean, you have, yeah. I mean, I think that kind of furthers the argument that you have to pay him because their offense is so wildly different with him at, you know, being as good as he is and without him. And my house phone is ringing. Let's see who, who this is. is. It? Hello. I can't hear you. Giovanna Palatino. Pardon? Giovanna, 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 phone call. Yes, this is Giovanna. <laughs> Hi, my name is Robert Dyer, and I'm calling from MDS or uh, recorded line on behalf of No Kid. Oh, I don't know. I don't want recorded line. Oh. Good day, sir. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he laughed because he knew it was you, but then just kept going. <laughs> he just kept going. He was committed to it. <laughs> why would he do that? Why would, why would he entertain that? <laughs> oh, my God. That's my favorite part of this podcast, by the way, is, is Jimmy answers the phone randomly. That's, that's, a, that's, that's my favorite segment of the show. It yeah, comes out of nowhere. It's, I've never gotten a call on my house line uh, ever. That I, you know, that was actually for me. Mm. By the way, I hate having the house line, but for, I don't know why it works out this way. And maybe you, like, the listeners can correct me if I'm just wrong on this. But my understanding of it is, like, it's actually cheaper when you have the house line connected with, you know, whatever cable service you have. Or at least that's how I, think it was that's when right. I signed up. Yeah. Which is annoying. I'd rather just not have it at all. I should just unplug mm-hmm. it. But I figure as long as I have it, I'd plug it in. I guess I'll use it every now and again to find mm-hmm. my phone if I can't find it. Otherwise, completely useless. Well, it's also good, I think, for, like, radio interviews, too, if you wanted to. <laughs> like, it's better. Yeah, okay. It's better, I think, than the, the cell service. I think the landline is, like, better for that. Just a right. little. That that's something sense. I do. Yeah. Yeah. little tip for you and no one else listening to this <laughs> who doesn't do. <laughs> oh, if you happen to do radio interviews for some <laughs> right. reason. There, now you know. Right. There's a very uh, small audience that that uh, tip is, is good for. Do you have any final thoughts to me before we wrap up this first half of this episode? Well, yeah, just to note, we didn't talk about uh, Eagles-Giants upcoming at all, and that's because we'll have mm-hmm. another podcast coming up um, after Christmas. Later in the week. So, like, we'll do that. We'll record that probably on the 26th uh, for to be published on the 27th. It didn't make sense for um, – well, I mean, we, we don't want to wait too long to uh, record this. Because by then nobody cares about the Eagles Cowboys game anymore. So we figured we'd do a short one here and we'll do another, like, you know, moderate one uh, after Christmas. So that's my only final thought. Um, all the, uh, aside from just happy holidays to everybody, Merry Christmas, uh, happy Hanukkah. 
Happy Kwanzaa, whatever whatever you celebrate. Boxing Day. Boxing Day for you Canadians. By by the way, Boxing Day, which you know, I don't I don't know, I don't even know what that is. But I think one of like my favorite days of the year actually is because I, I celebrate Christmas. So I think one of my favorite days of the year is actually the day after Christmas. Because Why? It's, because it's just assumed that nobody does anything that day. <laughs> so I love the idea of just laying around, you know, my my daughter just playing with her with her new toys and such, and I can just lay around and and watch some crappy bowl games and order pizza, and it's just it's just a given that I'm not going to do much that day. Well, you are a big slacker, so yeah, you, you would like that. <laughs> yes, that's pretty obvious. No, I, I hear you, uh, and I want to echo all that. Same thing. Obviously, really appreciate the support. It's been a crazy Eagle season. Uh, in many ways, a interesting season to cover here with you, Jimmy, on BGN Radio. So, uh, obviously, hopefully, more games to come, more than just the one in Week 17. Uh, a little pre- playoff run, podcasting would be very good, and obviously good for the site, our, both of our sites and everything as well, as many people care. And, and most importantly, good for the fans who care and want to stay interested in this thing. So, uh, yeah, obviously, hopefully more games and uh i think that just about does it here for this first half of btn radio 97 and a half and i guess we'll be back on later in the week with episode 98 we will oh, oh so obviously rate review subscribe all that good stuff and when you do you will get the next episode and we will talk to you next time goodbye everybody btn